This is the Mitch Gray Show, where we are bringing the art of humanity back to leadership. Subscribe to the Mitch Gray Show wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Mitch Gray Media, where you'll find each of our episodes and other resources that will equip, inspire, and empower you to lead well. And now, the Mitch Gray Show. What is up, brothers and sisters? Welcome to the Mitch Gray Show. Thanks again for joining. Make sure you subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts. And today we are actually streaming live on Instagram as well. So if you're watching us on Instagram, welcome. If you're listening to us at a later date, also welcome. Um, I am your host, Mitch Gray, author of How to Hire and Keep Great People. My new book is available now anywhere you purchase books. So make sure you go order your copy today, especially if you're in, excuse me, especially if you're in any leadership position, human resources, management, a small business owner, this book, How to Hire and Keep Great People, will be such uh, an inspiration to you. And we filled it with so many practical ideas and practices and things that you can put into motion today. Yes, there are things in that book that as soon as you order it, get it in the mail, first couple of pages, you'll be able to put some things into practice immediately. So Go order your copy of How to Hire and Keep Great People. Okay, on today's episode, we are going to talk about culture. And actually, over the next few weeks, we're going to spend quite a bit of time talking about culture, how to design your culture. Um, What does culture have to do with anything anyway? It's a big word that you hear a lot of people using now. And so over the next few weeks on The Mitch Gray Show, you're going to have um, some really insight on why culture matters, why you should take it seriously. And today we're gonna begin with designing your culture with intention. So what does it look like to design your culture with purpose, intention, strategy? But today I wanna touch on a few different things. Um, I wanna kind of give a foundation and lay some groundwork to the importance of culture in the workplace. What's crazy is the tips I'm gonna share with you today about culture in the workplace are actually apropos and applicable to culture everywhere. If you're a parent and you're kinda, I talked to someone earlier today and they're a new parent and they're kinda developing their family system for their specific uh, family core and it's like, yeah, they're kinda designing their culture as a family, right? If you're a school teacher designing culture in your classroom, so all the things I teach you about culture in the platform of the workplace actually apply anywhere because we're all human, right? And we all have the same similar basic desires and needs. I always love to start the show off with a big question, normally of my guest, since I'm solo today. Here's the big thought, and then we're gonna get to some big questions. The big thought is, If you are in a leadership position, your people know one thing for sure. They know one thing for sure. And here's that one thing. That is that culture matters. They may not say it that way. They may not say it in those specific terms and use those exact words. But your people know one thing for sure. And that is that culture matters because they're experiencing it every single day. They're experiencing it with you, with the leadership team, and with your customers. Your employees are experiencing culture every second 
of the day so they know it matters. And they may never again come up to you and go, hey, we know culture matters, or they may never carry in a sign that says culture matters, but what they are telling you is a story that it does matter. You just have to learn to listen to what they're saying. And so if culture matters, then the question becomes, why aren't more businesses and organizations and business leaders being more intentional and strategic and purposeful in designing culture? If culture matters as much as we know it does, if it impacts as many people as we know it does, then why aren't more people being intentional about designing culture? And here's the answer. They just don't know. I mean, think about it for a second, right? If you don't know something, it's normally because you've never been presented that something or taught that something. And so if you're a leader, whether you're in a larger company or a small business owner, you don't learn how to design culture in school if you got a business degree. You don't normally learn how to design and implement positive strengths-based culture when you're moving up the ladder in the corporate chain. Like no one has really a course until now, we've come out with our book. There's really not very many things that exist, if any, on how do you really design culture. And it has to be done with intention. And so if you don't know, then you just don't know. But here's my encouragement, and it's twofold. Number one, if you're beginning a business or you're considering starting a business or a company, then my suggestion always is designing your culture should be done before anything. It should be the core of your business plan. But again, that's the other problem, right? When you go get a business loan, they don't ask you for your culture design and plan and strategy. They want to know that you're, you have enough assets, that you have enough capital, that maybe you have enough liquid cash and disposable money. So that if things go horribly wrong, the bank isn't out on everything. But I could argue that culture is the reason you can have all of those resources. There has to be some substance to it. And culture is the substance behind your purpose. Without culture, you really just have kind of an idea and a dream. You don't really have any purpose. And so designing culture with intention, if you're beginning a business, should be done before anything else. Who do you want to be? Why do you want to exist? Why do you want to bring this business and idea to life? Why do you want to create all of this? How do you want the people around you to function? How do you want to function? What's your larger purpose in the world? What good are you doing for humanity? Those are all the questions that you begin to ask when you start designing culture with intention. And now you can see why I always say, if you're beginning a business, you should start with culture and that's the foundation of your business plan. And I can almost promise you, Few, if any, are teaching that strategy, but I'm telling you, it is the most sustainable strategy that you could ever take. What if you already are working in a company? You have maybe little to zero control over how the culture was designed, if it even exists. You can start with really having small conversations. Start with meeting with your leadership team and kind of micro-designing what you would like the culture to look like, what your leadership team would like it to look like. 
Bring other people in the book we teach you to bring as many voices to the table when you're discussing culture because you want culture to be representative of all of the people that represent you. The mistake most entities make is either one person or a few people design this is the culture and then they demand and burden that culture onto everyone else that works for them and maybe those people don't even relate with it. And I believe that's what leads to ultimate burnout is misalignment and totally not relating to the culture of the entity. Because here's the crazy thing when we talk culture. If I believe and buy into your culture, I'm going to learn and align myself with what I need to to succeed. But if I don't buy into your culture, I could even have, quote, success and still not be satisfied. And so that's why culture is the most valuable asset that you have or the most destructive, uh, negative propensity of your entity. So culture has to be designed with, designed with intention. If you're starting a business, do it first. At least lay a general groundwork and then you can evolve as time goes on. You should evolve. That's growth. If you're working for an entity where the culture already exists, then start on a very micro level, on a very small level with your leadership team, with your employees, and set the tone of your culture as best you can with the control that you may have. And as people see that positivity start coming to life, it's gonna take, they're gonna take note. And then all of a sudden you'll gain some more influence in that larger entity to help create the change that's needed. Culture is about people first. People, not beliefs, not rules, not policies, not regulations, not opinions. Culture is about people first. All of that other stuff, policies, beliefs, rules, regulations, all of that other noise, those are simply supports of the culture you build. And what should happen, I work a lot with people on designing policies for their entities, operate, operational policies, and kind of how people are going to exist when it comes to tasks and decisions, etc. And what I always like to tell leaders is, your culture dictates your policies and regulations, not the other way around. If you move it to the other way around where your regulations and policies dictate your culture, no one's going to enjoy working there, right? Because you're always going to refer back to a policy. You're always going to refer back to a, a, a regulation. But if you put your culture first and then your policies, regulations, beliefs, opinions, etc., on the back end, you know that your culture is going to be there sustaining everything else. It is the foundation. Your policies, beliefs, opinions, regulations can be pillars to what you're building, but they never come before culture. Never. Culture becomes the stories that people tell in three generations. Policies and regulations ebb and flow with how things change in the environment and in the ecosystem. But culture becomes so unbelievable and, and powerful and almost mythological that it becomes the stories that are passed down through generations. So the culture is your foundation. So here's some, some big questions for you today. If you're in a leadership position and you're, you're thinking, Mitch, I, you know, I messed up, you know, I, I started my company, I knew nothing about culture, and now I wanna you know, implement a great positive strengths-based culture. 
Or maybe you're listening to this and you work for a larger organization. You're like, oh my goodness, how in the world am I going to help implement a culture that I can believe in? I'm going to ask you some big questions and your responses to those questions will actually lead you and get you on your way to implementing um, and designing culture with intention. So you ready? Here we go. Here's the big questions. The first one is, how do you design a culture that empowers your team? How do you design a culture that empowers your team? So that's going to do a few things. Number one, it's going to make you reflect on your team. What we've done there is we've removed the idea of culture from you to others. And so when you respond to the question, how do you design a culture that empowers your team? What you're really doing is having to find out what empowers your team. And the only way to know what empowers them is to engage with them, to ask them questions. And so when you sit with the question, how do you design culture that empowers your team? You're now turning the conversation from you to them. And remember, culture is about people. So that's question one. How do you design a culture that empowers your team? Number two, how do you set up an ecosystem where people thrive rather than simply exist? Again, where is the focus? The focus is on your team. The focus is on your client or customer. It's not on you. It's not on you. We're going to come back to that in a little bit. But when you're designing culture, what you're really asking yourself is how can we create an ecosystem that breeds success and allows opportunity for thriving and for for unbelievable growth in every individual on our team? How do we create an ecosystem that feeds that rather than an ecosystem that people just show up every day and they don't really know what they're doing and they take little pride in what they're doing. They're kind of just doing it because they were told to do it. That's not what we want. That is not a healthy culture. We want a culture where people thrive. So again, you're gonna have to go to your team. Or if you're beginning a business, you're gonna have to make believe for a second, which I believe is a great practice. Role play in your mind. If I had a team of five people, what would it look like for them to thrive? And if you could put that into practice, as you add to your team, you can now all of a sudden begin asking them those questions. So how do you set up an ecosystem where people thrive rather than simply uh, exist? And the third big question for you is, how do you ensure your investment in recruiting, hiring, and development brings a return? So now we're talking about setting up success on the front side. How do you ensure your investment in recruiting, hiring, and develop brings a return? A quick story, I just got a phone call from my son today and he was so excited. Um, He's actually in sales and he's kind of doing it part-time and he's never been in sales before. He's been doing this for about four, you know, three or four months or so. And he was so excited because today he got his first sell. He got his first customer to sign on the dotted line and to make the purchase. And he was so pumped and I was so excited for him. But the other side of me was a little bit disappointed, not in him, because he's doing a great job. But I'm a little bit disappointed because the company he's working for didn't set him up for success. And here's what I mean by that. If you're in sales or any type of customer service, you should always have a a path to success immediately from the time you bring those people on. In fact, my rule of thumb when I was running stores and, and locations and businesses is that within the first two days of someone getting hired, if it was in sales, I wanted them to have a sell within those first two days. So what did that mean? That meant that I had to be ready and prepared for them to have a situational sell. 
and I had to do some, some work and constantly be setting people up. And here's my theory on that and the reason I believe it wholeheartedly is three months later, my son is so excited, but it was more based on relief than it was motivation because he finally got a sell. In fact, he said, Dad, I'm kind of relieved that I got a sell. What if he would have got a sell his first two days in? And then you have a launching point of success and you have some situational opportunities to expand your teaching and training and development. Whereas if you wait, I mean, I've seen other situations where salespeople come in and it's a month or two. I've seen situations in customer service where they don't help any customers for three or four weeks from the time they get hired. It's too long. It's too long. We get bored as humans. And you're going through all of that onboarding, but you're not giving them any application. Onboarding is much more powerful when you have something to refer back to versus making up a situation they have to believe in. So when we're talking about ensuring your investment in hiring, development, and recruiting, what we're really talking about is setting up systems for success immediately when they come on board. And, and, and I'm telling you, I've had leaders come back and say, well, but what if they quit a month later and we wasted that sell? I've, I've literally had leaders ask me that question. I'm like, that's crazy. Like that's such, that's such a random question to ask that is rarely going to happen. Because if you build success from day one, day two, day three, and you bring back the onboarding and, and, and give it a practical packaging and a practical situation that they can now relate to, they're excited, they've made some money potentially, it's just a really cool thing that's happening. That person is not going to want to leave. You're gonna have to ruin that situation to get them to leave. And so forget that question. You're not wasting your time. You're not wasting your effort. So set some systems of success up early for those people that you onboard. And whatever that looks like in your industry, uh, maybe you're hiring an assistant. Well, find some way for that assistant to be successful very early on. Maybe you're hiring um, um, IT people that are gonna be building programs for you. Well, set a system up early where they can be involved in success within the first few days so that they get that taste and they become a part of that culture and it's about succeeding and winning and thriving. And now your investment in recruiting, hiring, and development is going to return really, really quickly. So we're talking about designing culture with intention. To do that, we kind of have to look at some signs of negative or bad culture because there's a lot of that that exists. In fact, unfortunately, there's probably more bad culture that exists than positive strengths-based empowering culture. So I'm gonna give you a few signs of bad culture, and this isn't to degrade you or anything, it's to help you measure where you are in your business and your growth and within your organization. So take notes on these signs of bad culture. That way you can reflect. And I'm gonna come back to reflection in a second. The first sign of bad culture is low performance. If you're in sales, this is really easy to measure, right? Because it's often manifested in lack of sales or little sales. But if you're in customer service, it could be manifested in how are they treating the customer? If you're in other industries, it could you, you have signs of low performance and you know what those are. And as long as the performance standards are realistic and they're not unreal and extremely high to where no one can hit them. So I'm assuming that you have realistic performance standards. If you have those 
and you have someone that's consistently or multiple people or a whole team that's consistently performing at low standards, then it's time to look at that because it's probably a sign of bad culture. The second thing is employees always late to work or not showing up. That, you know, far too often I see leaders blame the employee. But here's, here's my thought. There's a reason that they're not showing up on time. And that reason is that either their life is extremely chaotic, potentially they have some negative habits, but oftentimes it's because you're not providing a place that people want to show up to. And the reason most leaders don't want to consider that is because all of a sudden they have to look inward and they have to go, okay, how am I as a leader? What do I need to improve on? And that's what we call the rule of reflection. But the key to a great leader is to never blame someone else first, but instead look in the mirror and take the blame and measure everything you can measure within yourself, your practices, your words, how you're presenting, how you're training, how you're developing, how you're hiring, how you're recruiting, where you're placing people within your organization. Measure all of those things first before you ever blame someone else. So if people are showing up late or not showing up at all, it's time to take uh, some reflection uh, of yourself and of your leadership team and, and, and ask yourself, am I providing a workspace that people love coming to work? Because I've, I've been in healthy cultures before. I help, I've helped design them. I've, I've consulted on helping other people design them. And here's what I know about a healthy culture. You can't keep people away. They show up early and they leave late and they shorten their lunches and they don't want to take vacation. Why? Because they love what they're doing. And so it's almost like you have to get them to step away for a little bit. Whereas a negative, a bad, a, a, a culture that just doesn't bring about excellence is the place that people don't really like to show up. So that's number two. Number three, high turnover. A lot of the same reasons that we just talked about for people being late or not showing up. If you have high turnover and it's the it's the conveyor belt of people just coming in and out, in and out, then that is a major, major sign of negative culture and bad leadership. Number four, frustrated managers or leaders or yourself. If you're highly stressed, if your management team is constantly telling you how stressed they are, then your culture needs some intentionality and some strategy and some real redesign. Because your leaders, even though there's busy seasons and even though there's positive stress, the majority of the time your leaders and yourself should be living a happy, joyful, fulfilled life if you're aligned. And so those are decisions you have to make and you have to be vulnerable about that because it's possible that as a leader, even if you're the owner of a business you started, it, life happens, right? We change. So it's possible that it's time for you to make a change in some form or fashion. And number five, uh, signs of a bad culture is negative customer experience. I put that last for a reason. And the reason I put that last is because our hope is that you don't have negative customer experiences. But when you do, those are signs of bad culture. Now that culture could mean you don't have good training. That culture could mean uh, whoever's working maybe isn't in the right position. So it doesn't necessarily mean that your overall culture is negative. It could mean that you just need to... Uh, you know, kind of tinker with some things, make some small adjustments, change your onboarding, change your development, change who you're hiring, change where those people are aligned and take measurement of those. 
Culture, my friends, is a direct reflection of leadership. And so if you're in a leadership position, culture is a direct reflection of you. That is why when things happen, the first move you make is go find a mirror and you take a look at your reflection and you ask the questions like, how am I communicating? You ask questions like, where is my leadership right now? You go to your team and you ask questions like, how can I help you achieve success? How do you feel about your work right now? How do you feel about our leadership? What can we do to help you do your job even better? What can we do to help you become fulfilled? You ask questions like, how's your life right now? Is everything okay? Oftentimes what I've found in the thousands of employees that I've had over my years, a lot of people that are showing up late are showing up late for a reason. And oftentimes it's a sign that things in their life are, they're in a difficult season. So what better honor as a leader than to ask those people if everything's okay and then have an opportunity to be vulnerable with them and to help them. That's really what healthy culture is like. It's not about isolating the workplace and personal life. Healthy culture, positive strengths-based culture is actually about leading from your humanity, from your vulnerability, from your mistakes as a human. It's not about being perfect or in a position of power. But culture begins and ends with leadership, period. No ifs, ands, or buts. So the last thing I want to leave you with today, friends, is you have to know your why. As a leader, you have to know your why for yourself and for your business. If you're unclear on your why, that, that lack of clarity will trickle down to your team. That why leads you to designing your culture. Your culture is made of so many elements, so many moving parts, but the ones that become the foundational elements are the ones that matter most. And that boils down to what is your why, personally and professionally. And don't be afraid to allow those two to actually be interrelated. I know for me they are. My why doesn't really change personally or professionally. And what's crazy is for most really successful leaders, it's the same. They have this larger why, this larger purpose, and then everything else is simply a manifestation of that. I hope you lead well, my friends. Thanks for listening to The Mitch Gray Show. Thank you for streaming live on Instagram. It's great to um, see everybody involved and, and taking action on growth and on um, your, your growth as a leader. Make sure you go order your copy of How to Hire and Keep Great People. It's available now anywhere you order books. Subscribe to The Mitch Gray Show if you have not yet, and make sure you invite someone else to subscribe too. We've got some great stuff coming, and we are going to encourage and inspire you to lead well. Have a great day, friends. We'll talk soon.